Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 3rd of December, year of our Lord, 2019. Wow. December. Hard to believe. And today we're going to do a backwards show. We're going to go into the media talking Trump, not giving him credit for visiting the troops, and somebody getting fired for that. Then we're going to news and social media nuggets with the bumper this time, because, like, I forgot it and shit. Then we'll have some hate, we'll have some impeachment to close it out. It's a little short show, because I'm not starting taping till like 10 a.m., because I had doctor's appointments today. But before we get in there, I just want to say thank you to the listeners once again. Good month, like 600 listens for the year. We'll probably get pretty close to 6,000 listens. That's a pretty good year. Um, the top listeners don't populate, so I can't really say, hey, thank you. <clears throat> but for the year, uh, it looks like uh, January 7th was the top, which cannot be true, because in the next window, this is why I don't trust SoundCloud, um, I'm sorry, 3-7 was the top for the year, and then you go over to top for the month, FOP 513 is my top track. With 138. Yeah, so it does, none of it makes sense. But, um, Indonesia, Germany, Seattle, Washington, Clifton, New Jersey, I love you. I hear you a lot. Uh, Clarksville listened to a lot to this month, and my son doesn't listen, so that's kind of interesting, and I don't come up as Clarksville. <clears throat> I do, you know, load my show, but most of the time I just load it myself. But anyway, to everybody out there, thank you so much. Uh, Sydney, Florida also. You came up on the year, yearly, so thank you for that. And Germany, you're, you're holding strong. You listen to a lot of shows in Germany, and I, I love you for it. If I could sprechen Sie Deutsch a little better, because they can only count, I try to do some German se- se- segments, because that's pretty awesome when a foreign country listens to my little old podcast. So <clears throat> we're going to go straight into Military Corner. And this is the media, of course. I was going to play... The president talking, but you, you probably heard it if, if you were, you know, watching a TV. But um, the the media just losing their mind because the president. This is the president's second trip to visit troops in a combat zone, traveling to Iraq last Christmas. But this mission comes amid controversy at the Pentagon after the president intervened on behalf of a Navy SEAL at the center of a war crimes case. The Navy secretary forced out after President Trump refused to allow top leadership to strip Edward Gallagher of his elite Navy SEAL status. In the Washington Post, ousted Navy Secretary Richard Spencer calling it a, quote, shocking and unprecedented intervention, saying the president has very little understanding of what it means to be in the military, to fight ethically, or to be governed by a uniform set of rules and practices. 
But today, President Trump eager to show off his military support. The president all smiles as he served Thanksgiving dinner, joking about missing out on his own helping. Today's surprise comes as the president faces blistering criticism from his fired Navy secretary, Richard Spencer, who condemned as shocking and unprecedented the president's order that Eddie Gallagher retire with his Navy SEAL status, despite a conviction. Spencer wrote, the president has very little understanding of what it means to be in the military, to fight ethically, or to be governed by a uniform set of rules. The president's speech to the troops stands out for what he did not say. No talk of impeachment, Democrats, or partisan politics. All of that waits for him here. He's flying back to the U.S. overnight and is expected back in Florida tomorrow morning. As John was talking about the imagery of the president standing there with troops behind him, the president literally, maybe he's watching, tweeted a bunch of photos from the trip. That's a big win for him. Do you think, Anne, given the impeachment battle is going on, the president is under attack in all sorts of ways, are we going to see more overseas trips that give him these kind of uh, photo op scenarios? Well, we do know he's uh, going to London next week for a, a NATO meeting. That isn't quite the same kind of, of, of imagery. And, and except for the fact that he'll get to hang out with Boris Johnson, it's not a, a trip the president is particularly looking forward to. It will be politically important, though, because he will talk about a couple of, of priorities for him, which are, you know, getting other countries, uh, other NATO nations uh, to pay more. Uh, and we will hear him, no doubt, uh, distort that that record, but he does actually, he has actually gotten uh, European nations to, uh, several of them to increase their uh, domestic military spending. He conflates that with some sort of donation to NATO, which is not a thing, but we'll, we'll hear him say that next week and uh, and take credit for getting Germany to do things that it are politi- it's politically difficult for Angela Merkel to do. But is I had to go back and edit because there's so much outrage of this president. I got confused on which outrage we're talking about the first outrage is that he went to Afghanistan on Thanksgiving Day. The second outrage is because he recognized a hero dog, which, once again, Obama did all the time. And that's why I got all perplexed on my own podcast and talked about two different things at once. POTUS greeted with cheers as he talks about the death of ISIS leader Abu Aki Baki Baghdadi, who gives a shit, made a surprise visit. Um, Trump flight to Afghanistan was so secretive, even the press on Air Force One had no idea where they were going. Which is why they all jumped the gun. And just couldn't handle it. I joined a, a fucking Daily Caller, which I'll cancel. But I joined it for a month just so I could get the story because I didn't want to go research it all. But they've always jumped the gun about him visiting troops. When Bush did it, it was dangerous. Remember that? It was dangerous. The president shouldn't be doing this. The president's just using it as a photo op. The president's a piece of shit. He lied, people died. You know, that kind of shit. Now it's, oh, he's not going to visit. All he's going to do is golf, blah, 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 blah. So every fucking time, they fuck it up. And here's the story. Each time President Trump has gone to visit troops overseas for holiday, the media has either criticized it or said it wasn't going to happen altogether. We've compiled the most biggest flubs from the media. And this one was this week. Golf, tweeting, and more on Thanksgiving. A real article 
It was on BuzzFeed. It was uh, Newsweek, I'm sorry. Um, and it published a story the day of Thanksgiving declaring Trump would be spending his day golfing, tweeting, and more. Amber Athey tweets the perfect here. Here is Trump spending Thanksgiving. How is Trump spending Thanksgiving? Tweeting golfing, tweeting, golfing, and more, and then a picture with them with it. So I want to break that one down. She did a whole thing. It was while he was on the way to Afghanistan. Jessica Kwong. How is Trump spending Thanksgiving tweeting, golfing, and more? To an article she wrote speculating Trump's activities. As with as any other day of the year, Trump will probably be tweeting or expressing his opinion in another way. On Thanksgiving Eve, Trump tweeted an image of a head of body of Rocky Balboa, fictional. What is Thanksgiving Eve, anyway? Except the President of the United States was on his way to make a surprise visit to U.S. troops in Afghanistan, prompting criticism of the publication by conservatives. He literally, in Afghanistan with the troops, delete this tweet. Newsweek updated his story five hours later, noting following the publication of this article, the president made a surprise unannounced visit to U.S. troops in Afghanistan on Thanksgiving. Trump surprised troops in Afghanistan. Trump announced Thanksgiving visit was the president's first to the nation. They talk about how it's a secret and yada, yada, yada. But Jessica Kwong, she didn't withdraw it. She just said Trump headed to Afghanistan and surprised U.S. troops on Thanksgiving. After pressure... Trump headed to Afghanistan, surprised U.S. troops on Thanksgiving, deleting this tweet because it was written before knowing about the president's surprise visit to Afghanistan. An honest mistake. Story has already been updated as shown in the screenshot. No apology. Trump. I thought Newsweek was out of business. Newsweek. The whole article. It only has an update. Well, the funny thing about it is they... Fired her over it. Fired her. Because she wrote the story. Now, here's the deal, boys and girls. Who told her to write the fucking story? Some millennial Trump-hating editor. That's who. And she got away with it. Why was that story ever written? Why? Why? Does anybody know why? If you wrote that under Obama, you're a piece of fucking shit. A piece of shit. But, hey, you know, it's our media. They're objective. Then there was the mega hats are illegal in 2018. Remember that? Trying to out people. Jennifer Epstein, she followed Clinton the whole time. It was a total fucking flack. Mega hat contingent at Ramstein. Trump flag. She dropped it. She told me, take the photo. We need to get them fucking court-martialed. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was that visit. The White House even had to deny the hats were handed out. These were just soldiers that liked them. You next one, U.S. President Donald Trump and First Lady Melania Trump greet military personnel at the dining facility during an unannounced visit to Al-Assad Air Base. Numerous outlets report that Trump became the first president not to visit troops during Christmas time since 2002. NBC News refers reporter Trump has skipped out on the traditional Christmas day just as Trump and his wife arrived in Iraq. Their tweet, it's still online, President Trump becomes first president since 2002 not to visit troops at Christmas time. Liberal political commentator Soledad O'Brien argued that NBC story had been the catalyst for Trump's trip. But Fox News commentator Brent Hume set, set her straight. This is her actual tweet from last Christmas. 
Shaming him seems to work. That's how they justify their poor journalistic integrity. Britt Hume, yes ma'am, Trump read this tweet when it was posted and time-traveled himself back to yesterday and flew to Iraq. Genius take. It had been scheduled for weeks. So every holiday, they do this. Every holiday, they bash the president because he doesn't do what Obama didn't do a lot of, but Obama is God, and he he literally can do no wrong. We still respected the office of the President of the United States, and now it's Trump, so fuck it. Then Outrage 2, which I had all the way back in my hate section, but since I already prefaced it, I mean, what the fuck, let's just get to it, was the dog. He decided to have the dog at the White House. Okay, and they just couldn't handle his visit with Conan the fucking wonder dog that everybody's fucking talking about incessantly. And they had to make a big deal out of that down to what is his gender? I'll just surmise it. What is his gender? Because somebody said it was a female. And that went on and on. It is still an article, friends. They're still talking about her inability to wear the right jacket, I guess. And the fact that veterinarians might think that they're still lying because it might be a girl still. Even though everybody's already came out and said it was a boy and his dick is flapping in a photo. I had to cover that again. In the military corner for just normal stories, non-Trump. A-10 Warthog pilot receives the singer's firing cross for life-saving close air support. Roe fired 30-millimeter bursts from an A-10 fearsome GAU-8 and Avenger autocannon in a danger-close mission, but the rounds hit too high on the hillside because of system error. He didn't miss on the second run, unleashing seven rockets on a target with 40 meters of Kentucky engineers. They are forced sent in a news release. For his action, he would get the Stingwish flying cross good for him and it wasn't his first time he's done it numerous times so i had an article 50 cool things about the uh a10 but i didn't feel like going through 50 fucking pete you know next 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 so i'll save it for another podcast army's new protective lens features sensors that react to changing light the transition combat eye protective lens features sensors with much greater sensitivity than commercial transitional lenses and, and it's a one-second button, Captain Mike McGowan, Assistant Product Manager of Head Protection at Program Executive Office Soldier, PEO. It's not like your transition lenses that you get from your doctor. The authorized protective eyewear list, or APEAL, is updated about every two years and offer a wide range of brands and styles of protective sunglasses and goggles, which feature the APEL logo and I remember when I used to sell this shit, it was such a pain in the ass because they updated it all the time. And so they could only buy those. So you have to keep changing. And then by the time you get the, get it, because my purchasing department wasn't that great, everybody else already bought them. So you were fucked. You were out of them. So then I went to, uh, we are the mighty and had some interesting articles, the military related. The three most realistic firefights ever filmed by Hollywood. The first one they have. 
is Delta Time to Shine and Sicario. And I want to play soundbite because this was a really good scene. Gun. Gun left. What are the rules here? We must be engaged to engage. Permission to get out of the vehicle and set a perimeter. Stay in your vehicle. You can do what they do. If they get out, you get out. Of every newspaper in America. <laughs> no, it won't. 
They won't even make the papers in El Paso. That was an awesome scene. I, I gotta admit. Second was, of course, same Private Ryan. Not gonna play that. Everybody's heard it. But this one I've never watched. I never watched Heat, and it's Val Kilmer helps train Green Berets in Heat. So this is their third best or realistic firefight. I want to block at Figueroa and fifth, and I want to block Northbound Flower at sixth. take them in the car. Wait till they are all in. Get clean shots. Watch your background. Police, move! Get down! Fucking go! 
They then had six foreign films where the U.S. military are the bad guys. Uh, the first one is Momotoro, Momotoro Sea Eagles. In March 1943, Japan finishes first feature-length animated film, and it was from World War II Pacific showing us being the bad guys and that Pearl Harbor was necessary. Silver Powder. Soviet Union, this is another example of outright propaganda filmmaking that sets out to make the Americans look like greedy industrialists will kill anyone if it makes their bank accounts bigger. The main character, last name is Steel, and he discovers the ultimate radioactive superweapon and blah, blah, blah. The Detached Mission was a Soviet answer to American anti-USSR action movies like Red Dawn, Rocky IV, and Rambo II. A group of Russian Marines have stopped a crazed American military officer from starting World War III by launching the U.S. nuclear arsenal. I would love to get my hands on some of these movies. It would be interesting to watch. The next was The Host. After a U.S. military officer in South Korea orders disposal of a lot of formaldehyde by pouring it into a sink, these chemicals find their way into the nearby Han River. The result is that the river monster of epic proportion gets really pissed and starts rampaging. The United States starts to fight the monster using a substance called Agent Yellow, like Agent Orange. This movie was so unintentionally anti-American that North Korea praised its depiction of the U.S. military. Mr. Freedom's number five. This one hurts. No one could have lampooned America and its pro-American culture better than an American expatriate. It might be the most anti-American movie ever made. It even makes fun of how the U.S. stereotypes its enemies by depicting them as one-dimensional jokes. The Chinese character is an inflatable dragon. The basic gist is that an American superhero tries to destroy the country of France to keep it from becoming a communist country. Hmm. And lastly, Valley of the Wolves from Iraq. Um, the most anti-American movie ever made. It was made in 2006 at the height of the Iraq War and was one of the most expensive Turkish movies ever made. The film highlights pretty much every mistake the U.S. made during the occupation of Iraq, especially Abu Ghraib Prison. The film is an action movie about a group of Turkish commandos going into Iraq to take down a U.S. military officer who was in charge of the church called the Hood Event. In 2003, Americans' tra- troops captured a group of Turkish troops, covered their heads with hoods, and interrogated them. Spoiler, they kill them. Bonus, the film features Gary Busey as a Jewish doctor who harvests organs for ultra-rich people in Tel Aviv. Any, um, you know, anti-Semitism there? Can we, can we find some? Hmm. Which brings us into our college crazy. We're going to listen to a uh, bunch of people talking about Charlie Kirk because he's coming to a, a campus and they're saying he's racist. But as in all things millennial in college, when you ask them why is he a racist, they can come up with no examples. Were you trying to get crazy with this, see? Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Hi guys, this is Addison Smith with Campus Reform. We're at North Carolina State University today where there's protesters behind me who are here in light of the Charlie Kirk and Laura Trump Turning Point USA Culture Wars event. We're going to go ask them some questions, see what they're doing here, see what their message is. Would you like to give a comment on the protest? Uh, fuck Charlie Kirk. Yes. And why, why do you say that? I don't know. Seems like a dick. 
Yeah. You don't have any reason why? You just don't like them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fuck fascism. We're going to keep it at bay in as many forms, uh-huh. even in the changing room. If you then come to this campus and, and spew hate speech to young, impressionable minds and get away with it, they won't. We're here. I don't think the people who are speaking, I don't agree with their values. Okay. So do, do you think that they should be uh, stopped from coming to campus? I feel like the students should have a voice on whether they should or not, mm-hmm. and they're doing that right now. All I got to say is fuck Donald Trump. And why do you say that? Because he's a racist bigot. What do you say that's racist? A lot of shit. He said Mexicans are criminals and rapists. He called he called all Mexicans rapists is what you're saying? He did. Well, actually, what he said in his speech, and you can go look it up, he said that people are coming across the border. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I don't care. You don't care what he said? No, because he implied that all Mexicans are rapists and criminals. Well, he didn't. Correct. Stated that they were criminals and they shouldn't be here. And, like, in what purpose? And, like, what he doesn't have to say. Every single Mexican, whenever he says Mexicans as a whole, that is what he's referring to. Do you mind if do you mind if she records? Oh no! Oh no! She she's not allowed behind. to record. Oppressing a woman. I'm just asking questions. I can speak on behalf of women. I don't feel oppressed here. You don't feel oppressed here? I kind of felt oppressed when he you know was covering oh, up. You the you're camera. gonna tell me about oppression? A white man's gonna tell me about oppression? I'm just saying he was standing in front of the camera, not letting. Don't talk to me. Should should you not talk with people that you disagree with? Not people that aren't going to be willing to step out of their own comfort zone. Asking questions? No, but you kind of make everyone else feel extremely uncomfortable whenever you do do these things. Because you're asking questions is uncomfortable? Are you letting me finish? Are you not using your privilege in this moment to go around and try and do this? Like, can we not have our space to do our own freedom of speech? Can I have my space to do my own freedom of speech? Charlie Kirk is the worst. Uh-huh. I mean, even though he, he even said, like, you know, there's people out there is worse than him for sure. But, uh, yeah, fuck him still, though. And what is what has Charlie said in particular that you disagree with? I haven't heard it shit he said. I just, I just know the platform. His platform is, is bullshit and bigotry. I ain't got to listen to it because I've heard it many times before. You know what I'm saying? But don't you think that if you're going to, you know, attack a guy like that, you should probably have some instances of things that he said that are offensive or that are racist or anything like that? I trust like my that? comrades. Who are those people here right now that you guys are protesting? TPUSA. And what did they do that's fascist and that's racist? Well, they're very supportive of white supremacist uh, Donald Trump. If you're going to put those labels on people, you should probably have some evidence to back it up. Don't you agree? Oh, yes. I do think that you should go fuck yourself and, uh, yeah. That I should go F myself? Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. So so if people disagree with, with your point of view about Charlie... Far beyond disagreeing, it goes more into the territory of these people shouldn't be allowed to live. And what are you guys protesting? Um, fascists infiltrating our campus, basically. What is, what is fascism? Um, well, right now, I believe any Trump supporter is officially a fascist because he is a traitor at this point. Impeachment proceedings are underway. So, what are you out here protesting? Oh, are you? Wait, where are you from? I'm with campusreform.org. Oh, fuck off. Okay. Bye. Okay. Oh, I'm just asking questions. I'm just asking questions. Don't answer questions. Don't answer questions. Don't answer questions. Why not? I just I'm not. I'm, I'm just asking questions. I'm asking everyone questions. So what are they protesting? Uh, they're protesting the Turning Point USA. Did your mother USA tell you not to go places where you're not welcome? I'm sorry? Didn't your mother tell you not to go places where you're not welcome? So I'm not welcome? Are you supporting Turning Point? I'm just reporting on the event.
Why are you here? Because I'm reporting on an event. Which event? The protest. The turning point. You got all your Trump motherfuckers right there. You want to feel welcome? You can go upstairs. Okay, so but you guys won't welcome me. No, I'm saying you don't feel welcome, so you can go upstairs. And why don't I? You feel welcome. Okay. You have racist bigots standing upstairs coming in here to talk about our What did they do that's racist? What did they do? Support Trump. You don't even know these people. You've never met them, but you're calling them racist bigots. Hey, because they support a racist bigot. They have invited Charlie Kirk and Lord Trump, and they're just full of hate and racism, and we don't want that here at our campus. What did they say that's hateful and racist? Do you want to uh, look through anything they've ever said? Anything. I'm asking you. Who are you? Uh, they want closed borders. They want to is that, is ban the immigration lottery, which allows people to come here for a better chance at life. Sorry? How about you interview the starting point assholes up there, dude? Okay, well, I, I think I can interview who I want. I mean, sure, but you just, like, fuck with us all night. Yeah. Look at my face, bro. You be fucking with us all night, bro. I'm, I'm just, I'm just getting people's comments. Don't talk to me. Okay, that's fine. Okay, thank you so much. That's the left, though. When everything's racist, everything's racist. And today, I got a good everything's racist. Oh, it's a good one. First college article, Free Speech Org calls out substantial overstep of authority at Syracuse. Free speech experts are calling on Syracuse University to lift a recently placed ban on fraternity activities, insisting that it violates the university's legal commitment to the First Amendment. Amid accusations of widespread racism at the University of Syracuse, they suspended all fraternity activities for the remainder of the semester in response to an incident wherein members of one fraternity reportedly hurled a racial epithet. Or somebody saying it did. So then they said, well, nobody can have fun, so we don't get keep getting fucked with by the mob, and now they've gone too far. So there it is, in a nutshell. Next one, MSU offers tool to teach children about Thanksgiving as a day of mourning. You knew it was coming. we got to indoctrinate the chillins. Michigan State University recently published an article called Recognizing Thanksgiving as a Day of Mourning in Order to Consider the Native American Perspective, complete with relevant educational material for grade school children. The article, titled Fourth Thursday in November, marks National Day of Mourning. Others celebrate Thanksgiving. It was published by MSU Extension and indicated November 28, 2019, as the 50th anniversary of the National Day of Mourning. The holiday in place of Thanksgiving celebrates the remembrance and spiritual connection as well as the protest of the racism and oppression which the Native Americans continue to experience. Citing the first Thanksgiving story of the pilgrims and the Wampons joining together as bullshit, it's racial, it's oppression, it's genocide. Amanda Morris, for Teaching Tolerance, addresses an educator's ethical obligation to provide students with accurate information and to reject traditions that sustain harmful stereotypes about indigenous people. She cites children making Indian paper feathers, drawing themselves as natives and singing My Country Tis of Thee and Mr. Turkey as damaging and indoctrinating colonialist narrative of Thanksgiving. So she wants to indoctrinate them as all the left do as America sucks. Teaching Tolerance provides several educational materials. One called Thanksgiving Morning is designed for grades in 6 through 12. MSU also cites a resource packet developed by the National Geographic for children ninth grade and up titled Recognizing Native American Perspectives, Thanksgiving, and the National Day of Mooring. 
Participants in the activity are given five directions to analyze a primary source speech, which is meant to be read in Plymouth at the 350th anniversary of Pilgrim Landing. The speech by the Wadamasuso James and Aquaramamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamam
to me, stop being trans isn't something I could do. It'd be like telling me to stop being, you know, six foot two and or leave. And I was who I was. I was trans before we married. I was a trans parent for 23 years. It floored me. It scared me because I didn't know how to not be trans. Stephanie Walsh, welcome to Daily Extra. You are one of the people profiled in the Transgender Project web series and as well the TV show Am I a Boy or Girl. Why did you decide to go so public with your story? Um, I paid a pretty heavy price for transitioning and so at a certain point I thought I've already lost everything and everything's happened. I'm going to be me and I'm going to show other people that it's okay to be feminine for a guy. And so by coming completely out of the closet, it just liberated me to the point where let's do this, let's talk about it, and let people know that this is okay. 2007, when I actually stepped forward and started getting myself educated as to who I was and what this was, uh, I was pretty naive. But that naivete would quickly come to a crashing halt. At age 46, after 23 years of marriage and seven kids, Stephanie realized she wasn't a cross-dresser. She was transgender, a person whose gender is different than the sex they were assigned at birth. I'm genderqueer, I'm queer, I'm queer. So having said that, what have you heard from people? Um, a lot of feedback. There's a lot of positive feedback. Uh, there's a lot more people that are trans. Like a lot of people come out to me. Um, I get guys that you wouldn't think that are want to wear that, like cops and bikers and um, can I wear a dress? So it gets very playful because you look at people and you think you understand what they're all about. You know, when you see a guy that's 300 pounds with a goatee who pulls in in a Harley and uh, is going through my closet and saying, can I wear this dress? Can I wear that dress? You know, or can I kiss you when I'm wearing the dress? You don't expect it. That's right. Stephanie has moved on, believing that she will never be accepted by her wife and children. These days, she's got a job plowing snow and has a new family made up of friends and a new relationship. There's days I forget my past. I can actually go a week without even thinking about what was before. <laughs> so it's a fresh start. It's interesting because it's new to me. And I'm getting accepted in a way I've never been. There's unconditional love. I'm starting to feel like we have a quasi-family that we're creating and I'm allowed to be exactly who I am and I don't have to apologize or make excuses why I'm different. I can't deny I was married, I can't deny I have children, but I've moved forward now and I've gone back to um, being a child. I don't want to be an adult right now and I just live my life like I couldn't when I was in school. How are things in your life now? Well, I. Um, I have a mommy and daddy, an adopted mommy and daddy, who are totally comfortable with me 
being a little girl and their children and their grandchildren are totally supportive. In fact, her youngest granddaughter, when I was eight, a year ago I was eight and she was seven and she said to me, uh, I want you to be the little sister, so I'll be nine. I said, well, I don't mind going to six, so I've been six ever since. But uh, we have a great time, and uh, we color, we do kid stuff. It's called play therapy. No medication, no suicide thoughts, and I just get to play. Okay, I said be a goat. That I understand. Kind of. Maybe. A little, this is actually what he said. There's days I forget my past. I can actually go a week without even thinking about what was before. Can't deny I was married. Can't deny I have children. But I moved forward now and I've gone back to being a child. I don't want to be an adult right now. And I just live my life like I would, could have, couldn't when I was in school. I have a mummy and a daddy. Adopted mummy and daddy are totally comfortable with me being a little girl. And their children and their grandchildren are totally supportive. In fact, her, her youngest granddaughter, when I was eight, a year ago, I was eight, and she was seven, and she said to me, I want you to be the little girl, so I'll, I'll be nice. Well, I don't mind going to six, so I've been six ever since. Two parts of that. Yeah, your life sucks. Got it. There isn't days that I wake up at two in the morning and go, man, my life blows ass. I used to be this, that, I accomplish shit. Now I don't accomplish anything. I'm on the downhill. My kids are grown. I don't get to see my grandkids. There's not a lot on the horizon. There's exciting this every once in a while. Maybe go fishing. I get to do my podcast. That's kind of cool for me. That's life, bro. That's what life is. To run back and, and turtle and become a kid again is your answer? Really? Secondly, who the fuck lets their kids around somebody like this? That's a mental illness. It ties right into our next story. Trans author Juno Roche explains why they're no longer use the word woman. This dude looks more of a dude than me, even with long hair. I mean, seriously. I tried to get the audio. I couldn't get it. It's on Pink News. It's from Daily Motion. They linked it, and I could not get this dude's soundbite. I tried so hard to get this soundbite. You know, let me try one more time. Maybe the site was down yesterday. Okay, they they reflipped it to a different provider, so I'm getting it off YouTube, and I'm not going to read this article. I'm just going to play this, and once again, tell me this is normal. Okay, they're fucking with me. They won't let me download the motherfucker off YouTube, even though I'm a YouTube downloader. So we're going to watch this together. Let me put the volume up. All right. Okay. And here we go. Tell me, once again, this is normal. Juno Roche, and I'm a, a writer who happens to be trans. I wrote a, a book a while ago, which was called Queer Sex. And when I started that book, I definitely identified or saw myself as being a trans woman. And then through the process of writing the book, I realized that there were certain words I'd have to do work, because it felt like I was doing work to inhabit them. It felt like I had to do work to inhabit the word woman. Whereas I never had to do any work to inhabit the word trans. Trans I did brilliantly, I did naturally, and I did authentically. Just a second. 
brilliantly, the wig he's wearing is so fucked up. He looks like a dude. He's even wearing a dude's V-neck. I swear to God. I mean, this is a dude acting like a girl. So he thinks he's doing it brilliantly. But once again, he, he, he's got a mental illness. So maybe he needs a new fucking mirror. When I woke up in the morning, I was trans. When I went to bed at night, I was trans. When I dated, I was trans. And that allowed me to occupy my body, my genitals, my sexuality, my sense of self in a much more kind of rounded, present way. I suppose that when I started queer sex, I would have identified as a trans woman. Maybe I would have identified as trans femme or trans and femme. And I kind of realized for me... Once again, you, if you can't get your lingo down, why am I the bad guy for not saying the right pronoun? I'm just asking. That, that, that additional word onto the end of trans... I was kind of using it to clarify myself for other people, but it wasn't clarifying me. Even after surgery, I didn't feel any, any more like a woman than I ever felt like a man. And my genitals really just felt, always felt like they were transgenitals and, and, and they weren't particularly tied down to any gender because, you know, I had a, 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 a genitals that looked like a vagina, but they were made of cock and ball skin. So for me, it was really important to kind of honor my, honor my body. Honor your body and make your dick a canoe. Yeah, okay, we're not listening to more of that. At least he's honest with himself. It is just a dick. You'll never have a vagina. you never have ovaries. You'll never conceive. Link to this was another Pink News R. Two trans people naturally conceived two kids. And they explain why we're all wrong on it. Because the dude that still has the vagina... And the girl has a cock. Yeah. But once again, here's a trans model. Now, this one actually tries. I mean, he looks more like a her. I mean, I didn't look at the Adams app. I'll look at it quickly. And the voice is more feminine. But this one's got a whole spiel. And all. once again, I, this pink news site is just unbelievably painful to go to. But I do it for you, my audience. She, he, it is telling us why it's important for us to brainwash our kids and sterilize them because if not you're just a fucking bigot i always knew that i was a girl and i first kind of put it into words with my mum when i was six years old and i think it kind of came as no surprise to her because as soon as i could start to express myself i would always do so in a way that was really female and it was more than just being effeminate or like an eccentric flamboyant kid i just was always kind of her daughter. I feel like for people that are kind of boycotting trans kids and transitioning young, they're coming from a place of bias because actually they don't know what this is like and if they did they wouldn't be campaigning for the things that they are. We're talking about kids that really don't need to be told that they're wrong on such a regular basis. We should just be comforting them and accommodating them and making sure that they feel safe and understood and secure. Because what harm is it if someone wants to just explore who they are in some way? It's, you know, it's no one, no one else's business apart from theirs. So my mum's reaction when I told her that I was a girl when I was six was very positive. She kind of greeted that news with a lot of love. And I think it was something that neither of my parents ever expected to have to deal with. We definitely didn't know any other trans people. There was no other environmental factor 
that made us consider the fact that I might be trans. It was just clear that I was always female in who I am. So it was really positive. I was very lucky. Both my parents were unconditionally and fearlessly supportive of me. And, yeah, it was amazing. I know that for lots of parents, it's kind of concerning when their kids tell them that they're different to the sex that they were assigned at birth or that they want to maybe experiment with their gender expression. I think it's important for parents to listen to their kids when they tell them, particularly at a young age, as I did with my parents, exactly how they feel. I feel like when your kid presents to you exactly how they are, there's no changing it. You just need to kind of follow their lead on it. And it doesn't necessarily mean having all of the medical intervention that people are now so scared of with their kids for some reason. I think it's just about letting your kids experiment and play around with exactly who they are. And if they change their mind, that's fine, but they just need to know that you love and support them, really. And then they can be nurtured through that discovery. I've seen around me with lots of my other trans friends that growing up in a really understanding household has massively impacted them and the way that they feel about themselves in the long run. I know that having that support from day one, overall, their relationship with the rest of the family is so much more positive, in particular with the parent and the kid. And it's just best to make sure that your kid knows that they're loved and supported and that you're going to be there for them, and then to follow their lead on the whole thing. It's really important for the relationship that you have and for their well-being as well. No! No, no, and periods of no. Once again, I'm all for people being themselves. Puberty. Get closer to puberty. If you're worried about fucking them up, I, I got it, whatever. All this scientific p- scientists, I'm doing air quotes, who are also the ones saying we're all going to die, we're overpopulated, and that penguins fuck each other, and are that's normal, and so is transgenderism. Yeah, that Those kind of scientists. Once again, if you do it prior to puberty, you have sterilized them. You didn't let them have a chance. And with 80% recidivity in these... Peoples, eventually they find themselves or they get their head out of their ass and realize, I am a guy or I am a girl. They'll never be able to reproduce. And I think that's, once again, I've said it. I believe that's part of this. Once again, liberals don't want us to reproduce. They want the planet to go back to caveman, except for them, and fly their jet with their iPhone and use all the fossil fuels. But you can't. Because you're a loser. Unless you're them. Maybe it's part of it. Let's sterilize every kid and make them all fucked up. And then there's the second thing of, hey, let's just get them all liberals so they'll vote for us. Got it. But I think it should be a crime to make a child take anything at the age of seven, eight, nine that could possibly, well, not possibly, it sterilizes them. All under PC gaze. I mean, I, I just don't get it. So... We're going to take a break, and I hate to play Christmas music in the middle of gay shit, but i got to do it. The segment's long today, because I hit pink news once again. And we're going to do uh, Andy Williams. Andy Williams is today. I, I watched this, the best of Andy Win- Williams' Christmas show, and if you never watched one of those, you really got to watch. Those, those are just fucking deck the halls, freaking pull out the freaking hot toddy and enjoy Christmas. It is an amazing, amazing family-oriented. There wasn't any trannies there. Sorry, liberals. But it was Christmas, and it was awesome. So this is uh, Happy Holidays, and then we'll come back into gay shit. Totally inappropriate. I I hate doing it, but i got to take a break.
Happy holiday. Happy holiday. While the merry bells keep ringing. Happy holiday. The holiday season and Santa Claus is coming round. The Christmas snow is white on the ground. When old Santa gets into town, he'll be coming down the chimney down. He'll be coming down the chimney down. It's the holiday season and Santa Claus has got a toy for every good girl and good little boy. Santa's a great big bundle of joy when he's coming down the chimney down. When he's coming down the chimney down. He'll have a big fat pack upon his back and lots of goodies for you and for me. So leave a peppermint stick for old Saint Nick hanging on the Christmas tree. It's the holiday season. The holiday season. So hoop-dee-doo and dickery-dock. Don't forget to hang up your sock. Cause just exactly at 12 o'clock, he'll be coming down the chimney down. He'll be coming down the chimney down. He'll have a big fat pack upon his back. And lots of goodies for you and for me. So leave a peppermint stick for old Saint Nick. And on the Christmas tree, it's the holiday season. So hoop-dee-doo and dickery-dock. Don't forget to hang up your sock, cause just exactly at 12 o'clock, he'll be coming down the chimney, coming down the chimney, coming down the chimney, down. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. All right, Andy Williams, I'm really sorry about that. Back to more weird-ass shit. World's first festival for women, trans, and non-binary people set to return despite being ruled discriminatory against cis men. Statement billed as the world's first major music festival for women, non-binary, and transgender people who return almost two years after it was labeled discriminatory because it's okay to be discriminatory in Sweden. They don't give a fuck. Another Pink News article. There's a record number of trans and non-binary people running for parliament in the UK. Ten! Yeah, you go, British. I bet the fucking Blitz survivors are happy about that shit. Disney musical, high school musical, teen sports, gay pride shirt. Yeah. One of the first original shows exclusive for Disney Plus sadly included high school musical, the musical, the series. In addition to having an annoying title to hype out, the show appears to be leaning more to the left than a show aimed for kids should be. 
Case in point, the latest episode, the November 29th episode, Blocking, continued music teens working to put on a stage version of High School Musical when Nina, ex-boyfriend Ricky Joshua Bennett, unexpectedly gets a lead in an attempt to win her back. The tensions only grow. Things only get worse for Ricky as he discovers parents and blah, 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 and then he walks in with the LGBT shirt. Mm-hmm. Brain rush, brain rush, brain rush. Stanford cracks down on gender pronouns, cites Ben Shapiro of it. Yeah delivered a speech there. Despite taking aim for most of the speech at far right, Shapiro was protested by left-wing student activists before and during the speech. His appearance on campus was also referenced disparagingly a few days later in the Stafford Provost announcing new action taken by the university to clamp down on misgendering people. Consistently, Shapiro's pushed back on the stupid shit in a letter to Stanford community set November 18th, Stanford Provost Paris Darrell Darrell announced the university's new focus on promoting gender inclusion in part by forbidding the forbidding the use of incorrect pronouns in reference to others on campus. In our explanation why, I'm writing this today about a dimension of diversity that is still too often overlooked and that needs to be needs the attention of our entire campus. Gender inclusion. She makes a point of saying she her at the national level, we've seen protection for gender inclusion roll back. For example, a few weeks ago, a federal judge that came to Portia, okay, fuck it. It ain't about Shapiro. It's about Trump. Yeah, you go, Stanford. You and your freaky ass. Let's fucking, I mean, it's a tree, man. And then the worst news you can have in a long time. Billy D. Williams comes out as gender fluid. You're like 80, dude. What do you, you want to get some roles? That's probably what it is. He wants to get back in Hollywood. He can't, other than Star Wars. Black Friday is what? Is it our last? Yeah, it's our last. Oh, kind of sad that gay shit's over. Not. Black Fat Friday. Friday, here are the people who actually showed up for retail in the big way. And one of the big things was how Macy's was a ghost town. Once again, after doing some research, checking out, the reason why Macy's went gay is because they hired a gay CEO. There it is. He's not a flamboyant one, but once again, because he doesn't talk about his family or anything, I don't think it's him. It's his staff sucking ass. If you want to get in the big, big guy's good graces, well, you push gay shit. And so that's what they've done. They're pushing gay shit on all levels and yeah that's that's just that's just fucking great to weird shit anti-vaxxers are now refusing to vaccinate pets over autism fears yeah i didn't i did not just make that up it's a real article after washington state started to experience a measles outbreak it seems that more and more people are finally losing their patience with the anti-vax community Vaccination rates in the areas have increased by 500%. Facebook is starting to crack down on paid ads by anti-vaxxers. And Washington State government is considering banning the philosophical exemption to reviving, to receiving vaccinates. However, it seems that the work for, to restore public health isn't quite done if statements by some veterinarian associations are any indication. And they're saying there's a huge group now saying that there could be autism in dogs. Dogs are getting harmed. They're getting harmed by vaccinating them. And I just want everybody to understand, if a muffa don't vaccinate its animal, 
That means your animal gets their shit. So these fucking people, I don't know where they came from. I, I, I just don't understand how you can be so fucking stupid. Idiots. But that's the left, man. I, I wish I had a new soundbite to go with this next article. I don't. But I wish I did. And once again, anybody who's listening, if you're driving, Matt, anybody, pull over. Because this shit is going to take you by surprise. Perneum Sunning is the latest insanity wellness influencers swear by. Okay, yeah. Let's just break it down to layman's turn. Your fucking taint. Tilting your taint to the sun. Because my taint means sun too. Who the fuck came up with this? I hate to yell in the mic. Who the fuck came up with that? What the fuck is wrong with people? Why can't we just be normal? Can anybody just be fucking normal? (sighs) She didn't start it. Metaphysical Megan, who has 24,000 followers on Instagram, has claimed that 30 seconds of sunlight on your butthole is the equivalent of a full day of sunlight with your clothes on. She also found it keeps surges of energy almost immediately. This is her, she got a picture. She's not very feminine. Really. She looks like a dude, but okay. And she's got her legs up in the air, as you would think, with her butthole to the sky. For the fast people, I don't even have music to play in the background. I don't know what the fuck to do, man. I just don't know what to fucking do. I mean, the, the normal the music is not the right music. It's just not. You need worse music. The past few weeks have included sunning my bum and Yanni. Yanni? Is that your chachi? What the fuck is that? Many of you have been asking about the benefits of this practice. 30 seconds of sunlight on your butthole is equivalent to a full day of sunlight with your clothes on. It's taught by a certified health nut. This is an ancient Taoist practice. It's been around for a while. Surges energy, better sleeping, better connection to my sexual energy. Because your butthole's got a sunburn. It's got to make everything feel kind of tingly down there, don't it? <laughs> Track my desires and attention with ease. My desires. I don't think about my butthole's desire. Maybe she's a freak. Good for her. Tracking soul, soul tribe and people who are on the same frequency wavelength. Okay, that's it. I'm done. Mm-mm. Done. You shut your dirty fucking mouth. Somebody wrote, the hottest trend gripping wellness diehards is tanning their cans. <laughs> Woo, that's some good ass shit. Along with that, the Vagina Museum walked around or opened up. Two weeks ago, we held a special invite only part to celebrate the opening of the first ever Vagina Museum. Yeah. It's a vagina museum. None of them are attractive. And, uh, yeah. So, we're going to go to our... Everything's racist. And this one, my friends. Wow. This. You got to stretch for this. You can pull... You can pull your taint on this one. Everything is racist. So we got climate change, but now we're moving on to next level stupid. Because remember, it's intersectionality. The New York Times. 
Climate change and inequality, okay, let's start again. Climate change and inequality converge in Los Angeles, where officials see baking sun as a growing crisis and shade as a precious commodity. Shade. You have shade privilege. Mayor Eric M. Garcia said, I suppose we should give him credit at least. He stopped short of saying shade was a constitutional right. The article then goes forward to detail some of the shadow disparity that exists in the city. Drive across the vast space of Los Angeles and point becomes clear. In wealthy neighborhoods like Bel Air and Beverly Hills spot the hulking trees lining canopied streets. In poor neighborhoods like South Los Angeles, watch as the people waiting for the bus strain for some sliver of escape from the heat. It is with maybe only fleeting sense of irony that the article mentions how there used to be a time when California actually touted its sun-enriched benefits. These days, global warming, of course, it's a negative. Led by the City Chamber of Commerce, which distributed pamphlets and books across the country portraying South Carolina, California as a sun-dappled utopia, the marketing effort helped Los Angeles grow. But now, you have shade privilege. Shade privilege will become a human right or public good. AOC will define it. Another person, an extraordinary new reach, the tethering of climate change and inequality of shade in a very mild Mediterranean climate. So, shade is racist, my friends. Black people can't have shade. Yeah, that's what he's trying to fucking say. It's the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my fucking life. Get the fuck fuck with the fuck fuck out of here. Get out of here. TV news drama on global warming. Human race going to burst into flames in 20 years. Yeah. It's on the Apple Morning Show. I won't watch it. Time editor, ultra left cover story. Hooray. Overton window closing on capitalism. A whole article that really capitalism is super, super bad and that billionaires have money and people don't. So we're all going to become communist, socialist fucking pieces of shit. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Bloomberg. Still pushing it. 11,000 scientists call for population control and mass climate alarm. Nowhere in there is there anybody on population. No. We, we didn't. No population experts. They're just, they're, they're just making the shit up. Alarmists repurpose rebranding climate change for greater shock value. Here it comes. Name number four, global cooling, warming, climate change. They're coming for something new. Climate change alarmists are pushing for a change of vocabulary to scare people and then taking global warming more serious, starting with terms like global meltdown, climate collapse. Writing for Ad Age this week, Aaron Hall argues that in order to get people to take action against climate change, rebranding is crucial since people have gotten too used to the idea that climate is changing and needs to be shocked into ending. Is there a better way to convey the urgency of situation while also encouraging folks to take action? Could the tools of branding and brand naming create a more resonant, powerful name? What he and his marketing team came up with was a series of much more frightening labels to stick on climate change in the hope of jolting people into meaningful engagement. The term global meltdown, global melting, for instance, deliver a more negative image than mere global warming. 
He contends, the name single the ice caps are melting, but also creates a more visceral image in the mind, that real feeling of melting when it's too hot outside. A meltdown is a disastrous event that draws from ultimate terror, a nuclear meltdown, or an apt metaphor for global destruction. Climate collapse! Global chaos! On the other hand, instill a clear message or even a direct call to action, he notes. To up the rhetoric even more, Hall proposed the weaponized term, Scorched Earth! Sometimes a brand needs to be hyperbolic to truly capture hearts and minds. If we don't take massive action now, Earth will be uninhabitable, an irreversible barren wasteland. Scorched Earth paints the direst picture of what's to come. Whatever we call it, impending climate doom is upon us, and we don't act quickly, perhaps a new name will shift the necessary... Shift the needle, excuse me, even at just a little. Mr. Hall contention that it does not matter what it said is true as long as it lists the necessary response as Extinction Rebellion has been proving over and over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I knew it was coming, man. They got a rebrand, baby. It's not working. Name four. It's going to work. Greta Thunberg's our next one, Why We Strike Again. After more than a year of grim scientific projections and growing activism, world leaders and the public alike are increasingly recognizing severity and urgency of climate crisis. Uh, let me see. Millions of people lending their voices and their bodies to the cause. We did this not because it's our dream, but because we didn't see anyone else taking action to secure our future. This is just, just, she's just hot. And despite the vocal support we have received, I'm sorry, I didn't preface this. This is an op-ed she did. Because we saw the world about power leaders, we still don't. Striking is not a choice we relish. We do it because we see no other option. We have watched a string of United Nations climate conferences unfold. Countless negotiations have produced much hype, much ultimately empty commitments from the world governments. The same governments that allow fossil fuel companies to drill for ever more oil and gas and burn away our future profit. I'm trying to, like... Read it like she's saying. Politicians and fossil fuel companies have been known about climate change for decades, and yet the politicians let the profit hairs continue to exploit our planet's resources and destroy its ecosystems with the quest for quick cash that threatens our very existence. Don't take our word for it. Scientists are sounding the alarm and rebranding. They warn that we will never be less likely to limit the rise of the global temperatures to 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial level, the threshold beyond when most destructive effect of climate change can trigger. Worst recent research shows that we are on track to produce 120% more fossil fuels in 2030 than would be consistent with the 1.5 Celsius limit. The concentration of climate heating greenhouse gases in our atmosphere has reached a record high with no sign of a slowdown. Even if countries fill their current emission reduction pledges, we are headed for 32 Degrees Celsius, which still doesn't mean we're going to die, but go ahead. Young people like us bear the brunt of our leaders' failures. Research shows that pollution from burning fossil fuels is the world's most significant threat to children's health. Just this month, five million masks were handed out of schools in New Delhi. Fossil fuels are literally choking the life out of us! Oh, let me see we go on. This is so much shit. With public opinion shifting later on the next two Fridays, we will again take to the streets worldwide on November 29th, Madrid, Santiago, and many other December 6th during UN Climfest. This action should be powerful, wide-ranging. After all, the climate crisis is not just about the environment. It's a crisis of human rights, of justice, political will. There we go! Colonial, racist, and patriarchal systems of oppression. She's getting it, man. She's got the intersectionality in. Our political leaders can no longer shirk their responsibilities. We have learned that we do not step up. Nobody will. So we will keep up a steady drumbeat 
of strikes, protests, and stupidity. We will do whatever it takes to persuade our leaders to unite behind science. Yeah, where's the science, man? Collective action works. We have proved that. But to change everything, we need everyone. Each and every one of us must participate in climate resistance movement. We cannot just say we care. We must show it. That's why we're alienating everybody out there. Join us. Participate in our upcoming climate strike. And to the leaders who are headed to Madrid, our message is simple. The eyes of the future generation upon you. Act accordingly, or I will get up and shame you again. Because I am autism, and people are using me as a prop. Yes! Next story. Americans are now struggling with climate anxiety because of apocalyptic warming predictions. They have people literally, once again, another one, going to... Psychiatrists, because they can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore! Other crazy, stupid shit. Evanston, Illinois, will use recreational marijuana sales tax proceeds to give reparations to black people. That's what they're going to do with it. Yeah, so... As we go out to another music break, because I want to get another song in. This is my favorite version of White Christmas, and it'll be unplay, unhurt by gay shit. Here's a UN guy freaking his fucking ass off. They just gave him the TV. I don't remember what channel it was. It's stupid. And we're coming into hate. Yeah, hate. Enjoy. Millions of protesters across the world are marching for action against climate change. The demonstrations are happening just days before a United Nations climate conference begins in Madrid. That will be Monday. This is happening in the U.S., in France, in India. Protesters calling on world leaders to step up their efforts against carbon gas emissions and other environmental issues. All of this comes as a new United Nations report finds the current climate crisis is pushing Earth to a global tipping point. Scientists warn that it could be too late to prevent temperatures around the world from rising to near catastrophic levels. Whether it's extreme heat, uh, pollution, wildfires, intensified flooding or droughts, the data is showing the current situation is getting worse by the day. So joining us from Kenya, Ingo Anderson, the Executive Director of the United Nations Environment Program. Uh, Ingo, thank you so much for being with us. So there's this new report in the journal Nature that shows growing evidence to suggest these changes we're seeing are irreversible. And that it's happening specifically in nine locations. What are those locations and what is happening? Inga, what are the greatest environmental threats to the Earth currently? Well, our friends at the World Meteorological Organization have already indicated that we have reached 1.1 degrees in terms of warming, global warming. Because of our procrastination, if you like, we are now heading towards, if we continue as we are, we are heading to about 3.2 degrees to 7 degrees, depending on how we behave. So what we now need to do is we need to make a massive cut in our carbon emissions. Failing that, we will see exactly the kind of scenario that uh, was introduced at the beginning of, 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 of this piece. Uh, increased fires, increased heat waves, increased flooding, increased intensity of storms. And those areas that are already living in quite marginal rainfall will find it even more marginal, therefore, uh, and shorter in time span. 
therefore uh, not long enough to secure a harvest season. So we will see millions of people on the move, pushed out by their ecosystems essentially being uninhabitable.
And above all, let me constantly remember that my actions are worthless unless they are guided by your hand. Allah, may everything that I do start well and finish well. Sustain me with your power. And in your power, let me drive away. That was Omar literally talking at a Catholic church. Now I want you to understand, if you go to a mosque and do that, they will beat the living fuck out of you. I, I just thought that summed up. And as she was doing it, Iran kills hundreds of unarmed protesters. Quran expert warns it may kill thousands in crackdown. Simultaneously, London Bridge bomber. Well, it wasn't a bomber. He attacked people. Understand, that guy was in... And I'm not covering it big, but really at all. That guy was in jail for murder, and they released him from from jail for a day. Because that's what liberals think we should be doing. He was a murderer that was released for a day, and he went out and murdered people. So, look at London for all this tranny shit and, and the way they treat people. Just Just look at that and understand that's coming our way. That's coming our way. While Omar is talking in a Catholic church, disrespecting another person's faith, we got people getting killed. So, just remember that. Media hate, DNC official. Why does Tucker Carlson have a show? Why does anybody on CNN and MSNBC? Because people watch them. Malcolm Nance, Trump fave, dirty dozen character, the murderer racist. MSNBC pushes patriotic impeachment ad. We fight... We do this impeachment because of the revolution. Yeah, that's what they're saying. Wallace, Sharpton, accused evangelicals of submitting to white nationalism. Mario echoes Chris Cuomo wants Trump's name glued to impeachment for eternity. The View, blame Trump for why civility has disappeared at Thanksgiving dinner. They said this. And lastly, Donnie Deutsch calls Trump a uh, cancer. If you're wondering who the Democratic nominee will be, don't bet against Michelle Obama. The Democratic Party is ripping itself apart over race and gender and class. Michelle Obama, let's be honest, is one of the only people who could unite the party's warring factions. Tucker Carlson with a bold prediction saying Michelle Obama just may be the Democratic ticket next year, despite the former first lady saying she's not interested. Michael Blake, vice chair of the DNC and a New York State Assemblyman. How you doing, Mike? Nice Good. to see you, sir. What Good do you think of the you. prediction on Michelle Obama? Would uh, you like to see that? Well, she's not running, but the, the core question is why the hell does Tucker Carlson still have a job here in the first place? The, the reality is this is someone who said white supremacy is a hoax, uh, and why does Fox allow him to still be here in okay. the first place? All right. Well, I mean, his opinion there is that Michelle Obama may get in this race. Do you think that will happen, or it's do not you gonna, not going to happen? Not, not going to happen. But I think the the core question is he shouldn't be on here at I all. I get it. We didn't bring you on to talk about Tucker Carlson. I brought you on to talk about the Democratic field. But are Tucker, you happy right now with what you see in these candidates? Absolutely, because I see each of them are defeating Donald Trump, and the reality is we're in a space uh, where if people can tend to ignore his failed promises, uh, that's when we're missing the boat. Uh, the reason why we are very confident that next November a Democrat's going to win is that we're talking about jobs. We're talking about health care. We're talking about education. On what are the implications of Donald Trump both excusing, then elevating, and now apparently planning to campaign with 
um, this uh, person who he's allowing to also keep his Navy SEAL pin? Well, the implications are dire for the armed forces. Um, Donald Trump has decided he likes war criminals. Donald Trump wants this type of person around him. He thinks he's a mafia boss. He's the head of a criminal clan. And he thinks that having these brutal foot soldiers around him is macho. It's nothing. It's dishonorable and cowardice. This is him posing for his tribe using men of honor, people who are serving in the military, to make it look like he's a tough guy. But he wants to be, I mean, you know, I'm going to give everyone homework tonight. Go watch the movie The Dirty Dozen from the mid-60s, right? Lee Marvin, it's it's 12 people who are all going into war, uh, be into a special mission where they're going to die because they're in prison, and this is their only chance. The one character who is truly crazy insane is Telly Savalas, who actually on the mission rapes and murders a woman. And it's almost as if Donald Trump thought, hey, that's my favorite character. <laughs> you know, he has a mindset of where he thinks his personal toughness is men doing horrible things. November 14, partly because the president had already contacted me twice, I sent him a note asking him not to get involved in these questions. The next day, White House counsel Pat Cipollone called me and said the president would remain involved. So I want to make a quick correction. This is a pretty big correction. Uh, earlier in the segment, as we were talking about former Navy Secretary Richard Spencer, we mistakenly showed the wrong image uh, of white supremacist Richard Spencer. Very deeply sorry for that mistake. We have nearly two and a half centuries of examples where the checks and balances of the constitutional system have worked. The framers designed the government for a moment like this. We weren't supposed to just give a pass to somebody whose team we decided to be on. We were supposed to actually think for ourselves. That's why we fought the revolution. That's why we've struggled again and again and again to make real those promises. Lincoln said our leaders should appeal to our better angels, but we have a leader who appeals to our worst demons. I, Joe often says in the show, what do you do when policies, words, and practices are antithetical to Jesus, which is happening now all the time? So I have to say, to be blunt and maybe irreverent, white nationalism is not just racist, it's antichrist. Mm. To demonize to humanize immigrants, it isn't just lack of compassion, it's antichrist. To mistreat women, abuse, harassment, this is not just sexist, it's antichrist. But maybe the most important question in this political season, who is my neighbor? Because the one that Jesus says is our neighbor is the one who's being targeted by this administration. Evangelical support has remained relatively strong. Um, to some people, that exposes a hypocrisy that puts politics before faith and, and teachings of the Bible and morality and everything else. Um, what do you say to those who stay at the side of Donald Trump through all of it? Here's a radical idea. Our faith and values should shape our politics and not the other way around. The poll that is the most shameful and damaging for white evangelicals says... This population, white evangelicals, is the most uh, resistant to a multiracial future. That's a devastating goal. Mm. So here's the question. When the operative phrase in white evangelical isn't evangelical, but white, we have a problem. So we've got to get to that. <clears throat> is the gospel uh, clear here? Is racial bigotry a deal breaker 
for the gospel when it isn't for white evangelicals. And you're out there sometimes uh, with just a few leaders, good following, but just a few leaders where most of the evangelical leaders have submitted to white nationalism and to Trump. Uh, so I am encouraged out there by what I see happening around the country. There are pastors, there are... I mean, if, if Jesus were here today, he'd be celebrating... Hmm. The Black Lives Matter movement. <laughs> he would be standing alongside our neighbors, especially who are immigrants and refugees. He would be fiercely defending the planet. From Two things need to stop tonight, like now. First, the idea that anyone who disagrees with the president hates him. I think they hate this president more than they love their country. I know you hate Trump. Do they love America more than they hate this president? This is cheap. This is destructive. And they know it and do it anyway. A Washington Post count in April found 21 of the judges who've ruled against this administration were put on the bench by Republicans. Big cases, DACA, Mueller's special counsel appointment, family separation, sanctuary cities, all handed down by Republican appointed judges. Okay? Why? The problem is not the judge. It's the constant violation of the law by this president. It's a shame that your president has had to go through this. No president should ever have to go through this again. I hope he's right. God willing, we will never have a president who causes this much chaos again. And you know what? The chances of that may be better if the man responsible for the chaos right now does get impeached. Why? Look, I think you can argue it either way. I have on this show, some of you like that, some of you don't. That's the show. If it's for people with open minds. But if he gets impeached, that is a permanent stain. It will be the first thing people will know about his presidency forever. Trump said in a tweet, he never imagined his name connected to the word, but I believe that. And it may be his worst fear, and it will be realized. His name will be glued to being impeached for eternity. The question is never whether the men and women who go to work for Donald Trump will be embroiled in, in potential criminality and certain scandal. It's how they navigate it. And if Don McGahn is the model, so he spent 30 hours with Robert Mueller, told him everything he wanted to know, cooperated with that investigation, became the star witness of the obstruction report, but he's somehow reluctant enough to cooperate with Congress, that he's able to, to sort of keep some of his membership cards of the GOP for whatever reason he'd want them. Mike Pompeo seems to be failing all of the standards that McGahn met. He doesn't look like he's willing to cooperate with anything, and he's failing the leadership test. I mean, I think the, the Friedman op-ed last week, calling him sort of a West Point graduate, leaving soldiers, his soldiers on the battlefield, was devastating. If you want to run for dog catcher, you can't be that guy. You can't be a guy who's so weak you leave your soldiers on the battlefield. It's stung <clears throat> the cancer of Donald Trump. How everything he touches, and I, I wish we would confess about five years, and in addition to all the president's men here, the Mulvaney's of the world, the Michael Cohen's of the world, who did not navigate as well, and I, I saw in jail a couple of weeks ago, that the Devin Nunez's of the world, that everybody he will touch history will frown upon. And I still, the, the big mystery for me, with all of these men, women, mostly men, <clears throat> what, what do they not get? I, I don't understand the human behavior, the soulless behavior, the, the wimp behavior. 
of just being so submissive. I don't know what the what the spell Trump has over. Obviously, we talk a lot about uh, a cult leader, but whether it is these buffoons we saw last week, last two weeks on display, or as we start to see behind the scenes, we we saw Giuliani morph from a respected uh, politician to a buffoon to a joke. What is it about this man? It's got to be one of the great psychological studies of all time that forces men to find their love. There are things to watch for Thanksgiving. You'll see the parade, you know, with the balloons if the winds don't get too high. Yeah. And, you know, there's great stuff happening. And then there's all of this, yeah. you know, because and, and it makes me sad in a way, you know, because it just yeah. it's, it's very sad. It's scary. not America. This right. is not America. I don't. I don't remember. This, this is America, America right here. This yeah. our audience. You know, I. I want. I want the America where we're all sitting around going. Well, I don't know if I agree with that. Mm -hmm. You know, not. You're a terrible, horrible person. Because remember, like 20 years ago, when people started saying, "Well, you're not really an American if you don't agree with me." Mm -hmm. I don't want to go back to those days. I want to. I want to. I want the days back where we can sit and disagree and pick our teeth and eat fry and eat food. Yeah, that's what. That's what I want. You know, that's what I want. Relax. Yeah. I think that'll come back when people believe in their government. When right. people believe that their president is acting for their own uh, for Americans as instead of himself. Instead of himself. Right. Do you think it'll come back if we start believing in ourselves as well and remembering how? Because you brought up a couple of days ago civ civility, mm -hmm. yeah, and that seems to have been mm. gone. I uh, sometimes wonder, like I say almost every show, is it the Democrats that hate Trump or is it the media? Is it the Democrats that don't want to impeach Trump or is it the media? Is it the Democrats who are pushing all this stuff or is it our media? Because if the view can get on and say they blame Trump for civility, this was the way it always was. I mean, folks, there were placemats back under Obama to push Obamacare and to dispute Benghazi. Then we have the Daily Show, because we've got to cover some more Thanksgiving stuff. Daily Show producer Brandon Stefalakowicz did this. My grandfather is sporting what he thinks is a mega hat. Little does he know his accessory is completely against what he believes in when it comes to politics and climate change. Make America green again. He put that out on Twitter. It was so bad he got crushed by the world and had to block his account. Make it private. Because the whole world went after him. And said, who the fuck does this to their grandpa? Of course your grandpa doesn't agree with what you do. Go back to the dawn of time. My grandpa does. I don't believe all the stuff my grandpa does. I do now, probably. Closer. I mean, except for the maybe racist views that he never espoused. But I'm sure anybody back in that era had different thoughts about race, even black people. Well, I would actually say probably worse nowadays. Young black people hate white people more than slaves did, for fuck's sake. Then Extinction Rebellion. Thanksgiving? Now nah, we're going on Black Friday, too. Happening now, Black Friday 2019, or Buy Nothing Day. Endless consumerism cannot sustain in a world with the limited natural resources we're using 1.7% or 1.7 times Earth's bio capacity and growing each year. Black Friday sales at big box stores can't 
take into account how the system that supports our way of life ought to cause devastating damage to the ecology of this beautiful planet. The EU Parliament just announced a climate emergency this week. No more business as usual. We're living in a system of endless consumerism. Earth cannot sustain that, especially as we accelerate towards the climate and ecological catastrophe. they got to get with the branding team. It's climate meltdown! 2019! We must act now! Black Friday, buy nothing day! We demand the truth to be told to be a oh, fuck. Shut up! They literally block stores and... Then you got this dumbass. Here's a... Now this news. Supposed to trying to be a news source, but they're just a liberal turd. And here's their chef talking about not eating on Thanksgiving. The USDA estimates 35% of turkey meat cooked at Thanksgiving gets wasted. When you think of Thanksgiving, I know the first thing that comes to your mind is probably food. Mashed potatoes, gravy, yams, and of course, turkey. But you might not be thinking about how much food we waste during the holidays, which is contributing to not only a national, but a global food waste crisis that is increasing our carbon footprint and hurting the environment. It starts in our very own kitchens. Food waste occurs when edible food is intentionally discarded by consumers after they fail to plan their meals properly. As Thanksgiving is a time to be grateful and celebrate, we can sometimes overdo it. Frequently, the food from Thanksgiving doesn't all get eaten, and while the food often makes for good leftovers, some inevitably get thrown away. I was stunned to discover that food waste is the single largest component going into municipal landfills, where it emits methane, helping to make landfills the third largest source of methane in the U.S. So your turkey leftovers end up contributing to the emissions of a gas that is 25 times more potent than carbon dioxide. The decay of food waste in landfill is not the only source of greenhouse gases. In the United States, food production uses 50% of our land, 30% of all energy resources, and swallows 80% of all fresh water. The resources needed to produce the food also have a carbon footprint. Globally, the effect of processing the food that is wasted is equal to about 3.3 billion tons of CO2. To cut back on the effect, check to see if you can donate some of your leftovers to local shelters, send the leftovers home with your guests, or freeze them where they can keep for up to a year. Reducing food waste by just 15% would be enough to feed more than 25 million Americans every year. It's often our instinct to make too much for holidays and special occasions because, hey, leftovers. It seems like no big deal when you can't finish your dinner. But the impact of your waste doesn't end in your trash. Maybe this year try getting a smaller turkey or cutting back on a few dishes to reduce how much food gets tossed. Every step we each take individually could add up to real change in America's food waste problem. And that's something to be thankful for. Move on on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a thir- and is Thursday, and many of you may be spending a holiday with friends and family members who are uncertain about impeachment. Here's a guide for talking with them impeachment. Somebody says, so funny watching an organization founded to make us move on from impeaching Clinton now desperately trying to gain attention. <laughs> Woohoo! It's so fucking good. Then we had cops. Well, let's do the Christmas ones first so I don't get them out of order. The first one is Amanda Marcotte. Get a grip, Salons Marcotte and the Trump who stole Christmas. How bitter are our anti-Trump leftist feminist Scrooge Amanda Marcotte is saying bah humbug to the Christmas season this year, all because Trump is president. 
It's like the third year they've done this. Though, is Marquette really so heartless that she would tear down the most wonderful day of the year because of the politicians? Sort of. She's no fan of Christianity anyway, so it didn't take much for her to dismiss the day of Jesus' birth. Trump's the scapegoat. Marquette's latest salon piece, How Donald Trump Ruined Christmas, began with her claiming, The gross fact of the matter is that whatever enthusiasm I once felt for Christmas has dissipated entirely in the age of Trump. So Yuletide is just another platform which to rail against the hater-in-chief. She added, He ruined everything he touches. And Christmas for me is no exception. <clears throat> I was never a holiday of great importance to me. I've never put up Christmas tree, for instance, though I have often indulged some tinsel and lights to mark the holiday. And though she insists Christmas still had a, some meaning for her, she mentioned that it's easy for a holiday to feel like a boring 24 hours that isn't even attached to a three-day weekend. Mm-hmm. A day in which the nation comes together in spirit of joy and generosity, she wrote, feels like a lie in Trump America. She focused her rage at this, War on Christmas Lie, the supposedly false claim spun by Fox and Trump that liberals have banned saying Merry Christmas or other expressions of Yuletide cheer. Marco had slammed the president for having taken this lie and pumped steroids in it. Now it has morphed into something even uglier, a way to imply the point of Christmas is to declare white supremacist. Really? She had no qualms about saying it's personal and disparaging her Trump-supporting family members in print. She raged, for me, it's personal. My family is mostly a bunch of Trump voters sucked up into a vortex of propaganda and lies. In her opinion, they make a mockery of the idea of familial love and harmony. Marcotte concluded her love fest saying, I seems a little silly to make a big thing out of a holiday that just reminds me how my own family and so many other people in America have been sucked up into Trump's cult. Yeah. Okay. The cultist calling somebody cult. See, you're doing it all wrong. What my daughter's always done, and she's a super liberal, and I love her, and I think she loves me sometimes, is she hates me most of the year, but at Christmas, I'm a good dude. Because you get free shit. So you should be, you're doing it wrong. All you liberals are doing it wrong. Treat your family like shit until September. October, November, December, have a reconciliation. Get the free shit. January 1st, go fuck yourself. That's the, that's the fucking millennial way, man. Get on board. Then Hallmark is blasted for lack of inclusion and diversity. The Hallmark Channel is now being scrutinized for having a lack of religious and racial diversity during the countdown for Christmas programming. Religious. It's Christmas, dickweeds. According to TH, uh, the Hollywood Reporter, the Hallmark Channel features just four movies this year with black leads and virtually no other religious representation out of Judaism and Christianity. Of the network's record 24-hour holiday movie this season, four of them have black leads, and that's down from last year that had five of 21 holiday movies. Missing from holidays, Hallmark's festival roster, any other religion in the title. That's especially interesting given the Hallmark last year announced that it would be producing two Hanukkah movies, Holiday Date and Double Holiday. Double Holiday is a romance between a woman who is Jewish whose holiday date features a Jewish guy pretending to be Mr. Christmas. Speaking to THR TV podcast, Bill Abbott, CEO of Crown Media Family Networks, Hallmark's parent company, said the allegation that Hallmark has no diversity is unfair. I think that the generalization isn't fair either, that we just have Christmas with white leads. In terms of broadening out the demographic, it's something we've always been thinking about, always considering, and we'll continue to make movies where the best scripts are delivered. As to why the two movies featuring Jewish characters did not use the word Hanukkah in the title, Abbott said, programming has never been overly religious, arguing that Christmas is more of a seasonal celebration. 
Um, I think Christmas has been always a secular type of holiday more than Hanukkah, which really does have more of a religious feel. I think Hanukkah, from a religious point of view, is not necessarily a commercial and not necessarily as much about gift-giving, which he's totally right. Abbott did, however, say that the Hallmark Channel has an interest in featuring other diverse leads, including LGBT. Here's the reality, dickweeds. Most of their movies are not religious, they're romantic. But you don't watch them. You just scan and you go, that's a family-friendly channel. We must disparage it. And once again, Christmas is about the birth of Jesus. That That's what it is. So you're going to have Christmas in the title, not holiday, which is what you want to turn it into. And what other religions, what are we going to do, fucking Kwanzaa? There's Kwanzaa movies. They're on fucking BET. BET doesn't do any fucking white people on their shows. BET doesn't have a lot of gay people on their shows. And BET doesn't do a whole lot of shows other than black TV. Nobody has a problem with that. The people watching Hallmark are old women. It's a fucking network. It's going after its audience. They want to see romance because their husbands are all dried up fuckers like me who don't who mail it in. That's a lie. I buy flowers all the time and I'm romantic and my wife's not romantic, but that's beside the point. The fact of the matter is, going after Hallmark is like the dumbest thing ever. Nothing on primetime TV talks about Christmas. It's holiday. The holiday tree lighting at Rockefeller. They don't even talk about Christmas. They don't even air religious shows. Only shows I've ever seen on Hallmark that could be quasi-religious was the Christmas Witch Wish, sorry with Christy Swanson where they literally are surrounded by religious people but they don't really talk about religion and she's taken care of by a town and another one she was in which was Angels in the Snow and that was about people who had just died this family's about breaking apart and basically the family that died helped them get through their problems and they go away but nobody talked about God. There wasn't a lot of praying. I mean, get over yourself. But, you know, Marcotte just said there's no war on Christmas. Yeah, there you go. Cop working on Thanksgiving goes to Starbucks and gets a Oklahoma cup of pig. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> John O'Mara, chief of police in Kiefer, Oklahoma, recounted the incident on Facebook. My officer goes to Starbucks to get the dispatcher coffee as a thank you for all they do, especially when they're working holidays. This is what he gets for being nice. What irks me is the absolute and total disrespect for police officer. Instead of being home with his family, enjoying a meal and a football game, is patrolling the area. The cup of coffee for a pig is just another little flag. It's another tiny symptom, nearly indiscernible shout from a contemptuous, roaring, and riotous segment of misanthropic society that vilifies those who stand for what's right and glorifies the very people who usher in destruction of the social fabric. I want to I wanna send this guy a, a case of Jack Daniels. <clears throat> And another tiny pinprick of the heart of men and women who are asking themselves more often, why am I doing this? Amara then reflected to, on the employee's need to make their feelings about cops' nose. Just pour the coffee. Are we at a point where a task as simple as pouring an exceptionally overpriced cup of coffee is so complicated that it cannot be accomplished without expressing oneself? Isn't he right? 
he called Starbucks and was informed that they were to make amends, replace the coffee with the correct label. The proverb, fool me once, shame me on you, fool me twice, shame on me, came to mind. America concluded that a note of gratitude for his staff that worked on Thanksgiving. Thank you for responding, blah, blah, blah. Calling police pigs started, it breaks it all down. BuzzFeed, a painting depicting cops as pigs is back up again in the U.S. Capitol after being removed by a congressman. I just want to bring us back to that. All right, it's in this article. But let's bring it back that the left hung pictures of pigs. It's there. Pigs. Colin Kaepernick, pigs. The thing is, the left tried so hard. There's a tweet. 92K retweets. 350,000 likes from some blue check liberal. Starbucks has a profanity filter in place to prevent things like this from happening. The only way for the name pig to show up on a cup is from a customer to set that as their own name in the mobile order app. In other words, the pig cops fake this for a bullshit story. People sent this idiot. Despite speculation on social media that the officer was responsible for the word on the label, a Starbucks statement expressed that the barista wrote this offensive word, used poor judgment, and was ultimately fired for violating company policy. That's how the left handled it. 350 likes. See, what it comes down to is these people hate their life so much that they have to hate on everybody, tell everybody how to live their life, and more importantly, put their finger up to authority. Unless that authority has a D behind its name. If authority has a D behind its name, like POTUS, Congress people, they expect, and this is from the media too, we must bend over backwards to show respect and homage to these people, but everybody else, go fuck yourself. And I once again propose to anybody out there, because I'm not hitting this hard, because just another example of what the left, and Obama specifically, has done to the youth of America to disrespect cops over a few cops' bad actions. You go watch Live PD. Cops bend over backwards to try to not throw people in jail, to try to not get the cars impounded, for them not registering their car, not having insurance on their car, not having fucking driver's license. I mean, the amount of people without driver's license, registration, and insurance would blow your fucking mind. And they're usually people of color who go fuck to the authority. The first thing they do is go fuck to the authority. Run from police, go to their house, tell the police, get their hands off them. Just happened Friday night. Dude had crack cocaine and a gun in his car. He's a fucking felon. Which brings me to, don't drive with a bunch of weed and you won't go to jail. Most municipalities don't give a fuck if you have weed. They have to do their job if it's in your fucking car, dipshit. Then Kaepernick, right on the heels of this, trashes America on un-Thanksgiving Day, because he hasn't got the memo that it's day of mourning, after failing to garner NFL list. Um... In a tweet that featured a video, Kaepernick wrote, spent the morning at Indigenous People's Sunrise Ceremony on the 50th anniversary of occupation of Alcatraz. The U.S. government has stolen over 1.5 billion acres of land from Indigenous people. Thank you for my Indigenous family. I'm with you today, always. Yeah, that's what he wrote. Uh, yeah, go fuck himself. Then, last but not least, we'll get into impeachment. MSNBC bashes Trump for firing Navy secretary. Best part about it is the guy's name is Richard Spencer. 
Their picture is Richard Spencer, the white supremacist. I don't care what people say because they recorrected it. It wasn't an accident. They did it on purpose. Going to go into impeachment now and head this fucker to the barn because this is a short segment. The ending is the new stuff. NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, they're all ignoring that the Ukrainian president and the Ukrainian press, who has been very critical of Trump, says there was no quid pro quo, which is the sole reason why we're supposedly having an impeachment. You will hear at the very end, because it just came out this morning, uh, Diary Boy, Acosta, they're just spiking it. They're not talking about it. Or if they are, they're disparaging it in our soundbite. Look, it, it's pretty clear what the, I think now what the Republicans have settled on as a strategy and what President Trump has settled on as a strategy, which is to just pound the process, discredit the process, try to make the process seem um, either unfair or arbitrary or hard to get your arms around. All of it, I think, intended to see if they could bully enough House Democrats to sort of hesitate on pulling the trigger on impeachment and declare political victory. This seems to be what the strategy is now. We'll see how it plays out over the next couple of weeks. But Republicans are going to continue to look for reasons to describe the process as unfair. And, of course, that's what they've done from the beginning. As you know, Chuck, Mm -hmm. we saw the president travel to Afghanistan. He'll be in London in the next couple of days. Um, The impeachment polls, Chuck, have not moved much, even in those two weeks of public testimony Mm -hmm. that looked dramatic to a lot of people, but the public didn't seem particularly moved by that. That's got to please the president. Well, look, and it was, it it didn't happen organically. You know, we're going to report this this morning, but we've tallied up the amount of paid media on pro and anti-impeachment. There's been basically a four to one spread of, of impeachment messaging uh, on the president's favor over the last uh, essentially two months since this inquiry began. So one side has fought this as a political campaign, Donald Trump and his allies, and the Democrats, for fear of looking like they politicized the process, have essentially outsourced this to Tom Steyer. Because mm-hmm. if, if it wasn't for Tom Steyer advertising on impeachment, there'd have been no uh, advertising to counteract the Republicans. So, yes, I think the president's pleased, but it, it, like I said, it didn't happen organically. This was asymmetrical warfare, and the Democrats didn't pick up a weapon. But when, when, a, when the Economist when does magazine... Opinion, when does opinion become fact? It, does 17 intelligence services saying it? Does every Western intelligence ally saying Russia did this? I, I'm just sort of confused. At what point is it no longer an opinion for you? I don't think it's an opinion. I think it's a, pa- a fact. I believe the reporting by the political magazine. You just I said Fiona Hill. By the you just said Fiona Hill gave an opinion. I believe the report. I believe the reporting by the Financial Times. I believe the reporting by the Washington Examiner. Uh, you should read the articles, Chuck. They're very well documented, and I believe that a Ukrainian district court in December of 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, slapped down several Ukrainian officials for meddling in our election as a violation of Ukrainian law. Now, I didn't report those facts. Reputable journalists reported those facts. Does that mean that that Ukrainian the Ukrainian uh, leaders were more aggressive than Russia? No, Russia was very aggressive, and they're much more sophisticated. But the fact that Russia was so aggressive does not exclude. The fact that President Poroshenko yeah. 
uh, actively work for Secretary Clinton. Now, if I'm wrong and if actively all these work for Secretary, are wrong, I mean, my goodness, wait a minute, Senator Kennedy. You now have the president of Ukraine saying he actively worked for the Democratic nominee for president. I mean, now, come on. I mean, I got to put up. You realize the only other person selling this argument outside the United States is this man, Vladimir Putin. This is what he said on November 20th. Thank God nobody is accusing us anymore of interfering in U.S. elections. Now they're accusing Ukraine. Well, let them sort this out among themselves. You just accused a former president of Ukraine. You've done exactly what the Russian operation is trying to get American politicians to do. Are you at all concerned that you've been duped? Talking to each other. Sue Rezin regularly talks to a group of friends with campaign experience. And the night we were with them, the conversation turned to yet one more challenge facing Republican women candidates. I really think it's the social issues, to be honest. I, I think that the Republican Party um, needs needs to do some recalibration when it comes to the social issues. So Education, if things, if things like abortion and gay marriage become litmus tests, it works against women in the Republican yeah, Party. I think so. Yeah. I th and I think that we just need to change the conversation about who we are as Republicans. Who is messaging this from the top? Who is saying, get women elected? If someone has an objective to go get women elected, they're going to make it happen because their livelihood depends on it. But assuming he's not going to change, like we've never had this before, where polling about Donald Trump is more stable than any previous president. He basically has 47 percent of people who like him, 40 percent, and then about 52 percent don't like him. And those numbers don't change no matter what he says, no matter what he does. Impeachment of all of all things has not changed it. So I think, but that said, 40 percent national polling is different in Wisconsin, where he's much closer. I believe the polls a little bit. He's much closer to 47 percent in Wisconsin. This is still a very close electoral environment. Donald Trump, despite being very unpopular, could win the election, in part because the polls show the Democratic candidates for president are getting more unpopular sort of every day almost. Joe Biden started off this race fairly popular. He's more unpopular. Warren and Sanders are more unpopular. Buttigieg, if he gets to become more known, will get more unpopular, too, is my suspicion. So I think Donald Trump has a very good chance to win the election, even though he's very unpopular. Uh, the president will be spending the week meeting with NATO leaders here in London, but he's also latching on to comments made this week by the leader of Ukraine, uh, saying that those uh, comments really exonerate him in this impeachment process. But that's not really the case. With the clouds of impeachment hanging over his every move, President Trump all but accused Democrats of sabotage as he's set to sit down with NATO leaders in London. The Democrats, the radical left Democrats, the do-nothing Democrats, decided when I'm going to NATO, this was set up a year ago, that when I'm going to NATO, that was the exact time. This is one of the most important journeys that we make as president. The whole thing is a hoax. Everybody knows it. Scrambling for a headline that will help him, the president is seizing on comments made by the leader of Ukraine about their infamous July 25th phone call. If you notice, there was breaking news today. The Ukrainian president came out and said very strongly that President Trump did absolutely nothing wrong. That should be case over. But he just came out a little while ago and he said President Trump did absolutely nothing wrong and that should end everything. But that's not quite what the Ukrainian president said. As he complained to Time magazine, he believed Mr. Trump wasn't exactly treating him like a true ally. And the U.S. held up military aid to his country, stating, Look, I never talked to the president from the position of a quid pro quo. I don't want us to look like beggars. But you have to understand, we're at war. If you're our strategic partner, then you can't go blocking anything for us. I think that's just about fairness. 
Man, these fucking people, they're just fucking out of control. New York Times Goldberg, the first big lie is that the people elected Trump. Big pushback. Republicans, big lie about Russia. Collusion. They say second big lie is that Russia didn't help Trump elect Trump. First big lie, the people elected Trump. Had public life in America not been completely deformed by blizzard official lies, right-wing propaganda, and the immovable wall of Republican bad faith, Fusion GPS and their fake dossier would have broke through and we would never have gotten Trump. Still writing that. But then Byron York shares a thread on Russian trolls from Chris Bile, a professor of Duke, at Duke, at the director of Polarization Lab. And this is what he says. Did Russia trolls actually influence the attitudes and behaviors of U.S. social media users or Polarization Lab? New article suggests the answer might be no. Many people think Russian trolls exerted strong influence upon U.S. social media users because of their sheer scale and apparent sophistication of their techniques. There's also anecdotal evidence that the IRA accounts succeeded in inspiring American activists to attend rallies. Though many studies have analyzed the content and the strategy of these campaigns, to our knowledge, no study has examined whether they actually shaped the attitudes or behaviors of a large group of U.S. social media users. Unfortunately, studying this question is very hard. Experiments that dispatch the type of messages produced by trolls are unethically, and data on troll is hard to collect in real time. Fortunately, Twitter shared a large data set that described the account associated with the IRA campaign. We linked these data to a longitudinal survey of Republican and Democrats who use Twitter that we fielded as part of another study in late 2017. We studied whether the interacting with trolls shaped six political attitudes and behaviors during this period, including both people's opinions about specific issues as well as Republican and Democrat perception of each other. Through, though our analysis has important limitations, we found no significant effect of interacting with trolls for any of our outcomes. We also found that people who are most likely to interact with trolls are primarily those who are already highly polarized. This finding is consistent with the theory of minimal effect in political communication research. The people who are most likely to engage in political messaging are the least likely to be influenced by it. Indeed, a recent study indicates that net effect of most political campaign is probably zero. The most sophisticated American campaigns can't really influence voters. Why should we expect the Russians to be any more successful? It goes on for a very Long, long while. In short, ours is very preliminary study of any extreme complex issue, and above all, we need many more studies to understand how trolling by foreign adversaries impact the American electorate. For now, though, we think our finding is an important reminder that the American public is not tabula rosa and may be more difficult to manipulate than many people think. <clears throat> or as more depressing conclusion... Maybe that we had already thoroughly polarized ourselves long before Russia intervened. If you are interested in our lab's ongoing research on social media and political polarization, go to polarizationlab.com. Folks, the reality is we were already polarized after the 2000 election. Folks, that's when it started. Obama hammered it home for fucking eight years. This polarization started with eight years of Bush lied. People died. He stole the election. We go into Obama. You will never elect anybody 
but liberals forever. The media was gloating. Every time you criticize, you're disrespecting the office. Those people are losers. They're racist. They're this. By 2016, it was just out and out. They're deplorable. We hate you. By 2019, everybody is part of the KKK unless you vote for Dems. And it further establishes that when you went into 2016, you either were voting against her or you were voting against him. A very, I would say less than a quarter of the country was voting for. Because both of them sucked. Next on deck, Corey DeJanelis. Holy shit, I have Warren on video lying about where she sent her kids to school. Sarah Carpenter, I read that your children went to private schools. Warren, no, my children went to public schools. Yeah, she didn't. They went to private schools. And then she's pulled back out. You didn't build that. You might be your kids because I read that your children went to private schools. My children went to public schools. But we... There is nobody in this country who got rich on his own. Nobody. You built a factory out there. Good for you. But I want to be clear. You moved your goods to market on the roads the rest of us paid for. You hired workers the rest of us paid to educate. You uh, were safe in your factory because of police forces and fire forces that the rest of us paid for. You didn't have to worry that marauding bands would come and seize everything at your factory and hire someone to protect against this because of the work the rest of us did. Now look, You built a factory and it turned into something terrific or a great idea. God bless. Keep a big hunk of it. But part of the underlying social contract is you take a hunk of that and pay forward for the next kid who comes along. Why does the left think they can cling to that? Most Americans look at that and the Joe the Plumber stuff as literally pretty disgusting. And we didn't really like it. So... I don't get it. And then lastly, I think this is amazing, and I did not know this. If I didn't get a newsletter from the Daily Wire, I would never know this, because you know why? It's about Harris, and they don't want to hurt a woman of color. Unacceptable. Top Harris aide writes scathing resignation letter. Only days after Senator Camelia Harris announced her campaign with Senate sites on Iowa at the expense of other early primaries, Kelly Mellenbacher, the Iowa operations director for the Harris campaign, wrote a scathing letter of resignation calling out the campaign for its poor treatment of staff and ineffective leadership. This is my third presidential campaign, and I have never seen our organization treated staff so poorly. While I still believe that Senator, Senator Harris is a strong candidate to win the election in 2020, I no longer have confidence in our campaign or its leadership. It is not acceptable to me that we encourage people to move from D.C. to Baltimore only to lay them off with no notice and no plan for campaign and without thoughtful consideration of personal consequences to them or the consequences that their absence would have to the remaining staff. It is unacceptable that they would lay off anyone that we hired only weeks earlier. It is unacceptable that with less than 90 days until Iowa, we still do not have a real plan to win. Campaigns have highs and lows, mistakes and miscalculations, lessons learned and adjustment made, but because we have refused to confront our mistakes, foster an environment of critical thinking and honest feedback, or trust the expertise of a talented staff, 
path, we find ourselves making the same unforced errors over and over, and it certainly does not help the team read about campaign discord in Politico, because those with these things say have decided the best way to air their grievance is in the press. I I want you to understand... If this was a Republican, this would have been aired out like crazy, crazy, dirty laundry. And the word, the phrase that we've heard before, if they can't run a campaign, how can they run the country? <clears throat> They'll still be pushing her because of intersectionality. They can't go against a person who's black and they can't go against a woman. So let's end it out on some lighter fare. I don't think we're going to do this as America today. I don't remember what it is, but I'll check it out. Stuff of horror movies. Tennessee man discovers half-naked men in the crawl space under his home. Oh, my God. Tennessee man startled when he saw an eye peering back at him through a hole in his floor and discovered two half-naked men with chemicals used for making meth. Paul Molman was watching television on Monday when he said he heard a loud sound from the flooring of his home. When he went to investigate, he saw a hole where his radiator connected used to be. There, a hole in the floor where the radio pipe used to be, and I can't see there's light coming through the hole in the crawl space. I look in the hole, and there's an eyeball staring back at me. When he called to the man, he said the response he gave was incoherent. That's when he noticed the man was very dirty and was not wearing shoes or shirt. He also believed the man was on drugs. So basically, they moved in his crawl space and were making meth. Sweet God Almighty. Next one, it's a no-brainer. It's a problem. Binge porn kills orgasms and sex with real-life partner new studies finds. When a person uses cocaine, the brain gives off a rush of dopamine, a feel-good hormone. The same thing happens with sex and arousal. People are getting overly neurally stimulated. So, basically, when they see it, Real sex with a human being isn't good enough anymore. Hmm. WAPO Restaurant Review inadvertently outs man having an affair. <laughs> That's a fucking bad day for dude. New York Post. Baby Yoda is trending higher than most 2020 Democratic hopefuls. And they show it. it is this? I saw it all over the place. I really couldn't do any more. Anymore. But I just couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore. And our This is America, which was for today, was uh, going to be the anti-Trump Lisa Page has broken her silence. But I'm going to start my show with that next time. So now let's go into a funny soundbite. I was going to play this on the Before Thanksgiving uh, podcast that was not. And it was a Yusha Thomas again. The differences between... Uh, Military Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's not as good audio, but I think this shit's funny. I can't wait. Hey, listen, I already know the army got some crazy shit, man. Hey, good, hey, good morning, man. No, How you no, doing no, today? no, 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 no. Ain't nobody got time for that. Well, well happy Thanksgiving. I, I just want to, you know, I, I As I'm scared. standing back here away from my family. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you too. What can I get you, sir? Let me go ahead and tell you right off top what we got and what we don't got. We don't got collard greens, we don't got ham, we don't have macaroni and cheese, and we don't have yams. So how can I help you this morning? What was that? This pre-made tray? Cool, gotcha. There you go, sir. Can you go ahead and, and move out the way because there's people behind you? This smell like ass. What is it? Exactly what you just said it was, ass. Now can you please slide on out the way? 
It's people behind you that would be grateful to have it. I got your mashed potato browns and white with gravy. Run! Yellow squashes! Yellow squashes! David's got shot! Pick up! Candy M. Here you are, sir. Thank you. Hope that you enjoy your meals. If you would take a look, uh, our menus are etched onto the wood. It kind of gives it like a rustic feel. Um, if at any time you're unhappy with your surroundings, please let me know, and I will have someone come and fix whatever it is that you're unhappy with. Thank you. Just so you know, sir, we have a special red Cavon Blanc that you can order with uh, whatever it is that you would like. Have you made a decision yet? Yeah, I'm going to just get the shrimp, lobster, and, uh, and scallops, please. Sir, I am... Gosh, I am so sorry. I don't know why they still have that on the menu. Jonathan, you were supposed to remove that from the menu. Sir, listen, um, all that we have really right now is the steak with the cream okay. corn hash on okay. is that is that gonna be good enough for you sir absolutely are you sure yes ma'am okay all right all right because if you want we can go to the ocean i mean we can get you the shrimp if you need it it'll mean, be just fine one steak is good okay all right thanks Jonathan. don't touch the plate you burn yourself all right so we got this for you right here and listen we are so sorry you know that this is this is just Unacceptable the way that you've been treated. Alright, so we're gonna give you this. Alright. This is for the fact that we did not have what you asked for. Alright, so there's your pay. And then we notice that you're here. We don't see your family here, so we're gonna give you this. This is another two thousand. Alright. Separation and hazardous pay. Alright. Subpar food. All of that right there. Alright, so that's a total. How much how much did I say that was? This is two thousand. Oh my just take everything I have in my pocket, alright? We have plenty. Alright, you go ahead and take that. Sir, you have a happy Thanksgiving. Okay? I should be doing it for the Air Force. God damn. Gobble, hey, gobble, gobble. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> I mean, Thanksgiving to me. Yeah. Hey, uh, how you doing, brother? I was just wondering if uh, I could get some... It's ma'am. Thank you. Ma'am. Okay. Yes. Whatever you say, brother. Uh, I said it's ma'am! I'm sorry. Ma'am. Ma'am, may, yeah. may I please have some, what is that, what is that on top of your gravy like that? What is oh, that? that's my special white sauce. Like, it takes me all day to beat it. Would you like some? I'm sorry? I can make you some white sauce, special, nice and no, hot. No, I'm alright. Okay, alright. Would you like to try some of our stuffing? We can do Yeah, I'm going to get some of that stuffing. Hell yeah, man. Like the stuff you put in the turkey. <laughs> I mean, gobble gobble, that's what you call me. Turkey D, the Navy Queen. Never mind. Ooh. I don't want that. Uh, well, let me go ahead. since you don't want that, I mean, the only thing we have to offer other than that are these nut Dude, it's Thanksgiving. I mean, yeah, but that's all we got. But, you know, be lucky. You can find a big nut in there. And everybody likes the big nuts. 
But you ain't, you ain't got no turkey or nothing back there? Like, no, but we have some pretty large hickory smoked sausages. Blech, if you know what I mean. It's so true. The, the differences between the branches is it's pretty fucking sad if you ask me. I um I think my favorite I've had multiple Thanksgivings unfortunately overseas and I, I still think my favorite ended up being one of my last by myself, two thousand, and I was running a landing zone at Camp Jackson, South Korea, and every general whoever came off would hand me a coin, but that wasn't the point that made it so special. The point that made it so special is when I got done, um, everybody was done. And I ate by myself because, not because I didn't have any friends, but I think they forgot about me. And I ate with the Koreans. And, you know, watching Koreans, first of all, in any foreign country, eat that much meat is insane. But I sat down with them. We watched uh, Music Bank was on, which is the Korean... Um, pop show like Solid Gold that I've talked about on the podcast. And I sat and talked with them and I had a nice Thanksgiving dinner and I, it was actually, I don't know, it was a good memory. Uh, at the time, I was pretty homesick, but I was so busy that day because I started at like 7 in the morning landing helicopters and running a radio and feeling like I was a grunt again. Um, I don't know. It's a good memory. So, um, I apologize for this podcast. I started off chewed up. Don't even know where the hell I was starting. I was jamming this in between coming out of this and doing that. And I promise the one on Friday won't be this fucked up. This was a fucked up podcast. I had editing problems. I had some, my last podcast, I even forgot to put the bumper in for news and social media nuggets. I can't believe I did that because that's like my favorite section. Um, and you know, the breaks today were weird because I just wanted to get them in, but we can get better. And we'll start next show on Lisa Page. That's the beginning of the next podcast. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. So this wraps up another episode of Flower Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share with your family and friends. Send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com, foppodcast, gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and PocketCast. Remember to check out the Facebook page at Fop Podcast and the Twitter page at Fop Tony Reed. As stated, our next podcast is going to be Friday, 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 and that is the 6th. Of December, year of our Lord, 2019. I'm going to try to do a short one. I'm trying to get these a little shorter because they're a little bit long. Make sure you enjoy your family. Stay warm. It's a little cold down south, but it's worse up in the northeast. And snow is everywhere. My daughter had ice, snow, ice, and snow. Hell, we even get some snow this week. I'm kind of enjoying it. Make sure you take the time to enjoy the holidays. If you can, watch you some Handy Williams Christmas shows. Get in the spirit. Deck the halls. If you ain't got the halls decked, get that decking out. And make sure you disconnect from all your fucking devices. Don't be on the fucking internet. It's the holidays. Be in the now, in the present. And tune back in Friday for another show. As always, thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at Fop Podcast and Twitter account 
Pat Fop Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride makes every day count. Thank you.